0: First time we took our daughter to college, I was then going to bow and pray over her. And I was sobbing so hard, my own daughter had to pray for herself. It was pitiful.
1: <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. awful. And bless her heart, she said, well, I'll, I'll pray. And we said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. She prayed.
0: Yeah. Got in the pickup. And I'll never forget this. We're driving out of that parking lot, and our daughter's down on the corner. And she's down there waving Goodbye. Well, it's not the end of the world. It is a season that must end and a new season that must begin. And it's okay to cry, (laughs) it's okay to sob.
1: Today, we're going to talk about preparing your teen for life, or rather, for college. And as Dennis Rady just shared about dropping Ashley off at school, it can be a very emotional time. We'll have some tips for you and also some help and hope on this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. When you send your child off to college, they are excited and you, well, you're remembering the little five-year-old riding a bike for the first time and you're wondering, did I prepare them for the world? I mean, the world's scary. The world can hurt. The world can swallow you whole. I remember my senior year of high school and the handful of college visits that my dad made with me. There was the applications and the acceptance letters, then it was shopping for my dorm room and new clothes, and I was a ball of excitement. And I remember the drive to the campus with all of my stuff loaded in the car and my mom and dad silent. And I can't help but wonder if they were thinking, have we prepared her for life? Because think about it. There are so many different things that teens need to know before they start college.
2: What advice do you wish that you would have gotten when you were a senior in high school pertaining to being on your own?
3: Like how to do taxes and... Uh, car payments and, like, all that sort of thing, you know.
4: Studying habits, like, I had to take great notes in order to pass tests.
3: I do not really learn that in high school, and uh, I had to go out and do that
4: myself, so. Like, in high school, you really didn't have to take notes like that to pass the test. How to use Microsoft Excel and stuff. Learn to write a resume.
1: Resolve conflicts in a living situation.
4: I didn't really get to learn that stuff in high school, but, yeah, I wish I would learn how to do that.
1: I've learned how to cook in the recent years because I haven't had anyone to do it for me.
4: I haven't tried
3: ramen. That's a stereotype I have not succumbed yet to, so I hope not to. Uh, no one ever died by eating ramen noodles.
1: She was heating ramen noodles and stuff in her little microwave.
0: Ramen noodles, hot water every Sunday night. They got beef and
1: chicken.
4: If I let just get a pack of noodles.
1: Instant noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a whole lot more to college than just learning how to make the best ramen noodles or learning how to fold your laundry in just the right way or not to turn your white socks pink. I've had that problem before. Well, today we're going to spend some time with a college professor and a few college interns that served here at Family Life this past summer, and also a current Family Life staff member who is a recent graduate, and we're just going to talk about college life. Alex Chediak wants to help young adults thrive in college and beyond. He's a college professor, professor of engineering and physics at California Baptist University, And he knows the issues that are impacting students these days, and he's here to help guide them through and to remind them that college is not high school, and it's important to go on purpose. Here's Alex.
2: The heartbeat of college is the academics. If it weren't for academics, why are you there? Why are you spending, you know, twenty, thirty thousand a semester or a year to be a part of this, uh, this experience? So, and it's really a full-time job because you're in class only maybe 17 hours a week, but they're expecting you to do lots of work outside of class. So the, the rule of thumb is generally two hours out of class for every one hour in class. Well, that wasn't the rule in high school. In high school, you didn't have that much homework. So, you show up on Monday for 50 minutes. You leave. You come back on Wednesday. If you haven't done anything, you're two hours behind. Mm-hmm. And yet many freshmen don't adjust to that.
1: Okay. So let's say you're 18. You just started college and you're looking at the landscape because you're thinking, Mom and Dad are hours away. I have all this time in the world and I have all the freedom to choose what I want to do with it.
5: I could just get in my car and decide that I wanted to go to Chick-fil-A for lunch, and I don't have to call my mom and say, hey, mom, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A for lunch. What
1: was that first time? What did that feel like? Weird. It was weird. I went, wait, I don't need
5: to tell anyone where I'm going. This is completely my own mental decision.
6: This is weird. I remember a friend of mine calling me on a Tuesday night and saying, hey, we're going to the movies. Do you want to go? Yep. Well... In high school, you did not go to the movies on a Tuesday night. Right, That was a school night. Right, right, right. But now (laughs) I can go to the movies on a Tuesday night at midnight. I remember going out and going, it's a Tuesday. I'm at the movies. This is great. Right, right. There's some discipline that – and I'm trying to think as a parent. How do we help our kids cultivate these kinds of disciplines so that when they're on their own, some of that may kick back in?
2: Yeah. You know, I think in high school, part of it is helping them to own their decisions and and say, okay, look, you have a schedule. You have 40, um, you have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How are you going to balance your workload? your job, your sports, helping them with some of the skills that I talk about in chapter two there of making a schedule. And the schedule is not just, this is when I'm in class. It's this is when I'm, when I'm having dinner with my friends, which is an important thing to do. This is when I'm sleeping. I'm going to make sure that I get seven, eight hours of sleep a night. You, you'd be surprised how many students burn out for lack of sleep. Mm. This is when I'm going to be in the library. This is when I'm going to be studying for my classes. Carving all that out, and then simply, well, this is my time that I have for recreation and for fun. This is the time I have for work. This is the time I have for sleep, taking care of my body. This is the time I have for reading my Bible, taking care of my soul, going to church. And this is this is my, these are my priorities. In other words, schedule your priorities. Otherwise, the urgent will tyrannize you. I had a friend, let's call him Bob, in college, and he would. He would sleep four four hours a night. He'd stay up playing games or doing homework or talking to friends, go to sleep at 1 in the morning, wake up at 5, and catch up on all his homework that he was behind on. Do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then come the weekend, he'd sleep literally 12, 13 hours a night, just absolute crash out. You'd think Monday morning he's ready to go, full of energy, right? No, his body has been trained to wake up at 1 in the afternoon. So now now Monday morning he wakes up, he goes to class, he's totally irritable and exhausted. Mm -hmm. His body never got to learn a consistency. So one of the things I encourage them is pick a bedtime, a reasonable bedtime, a time that allows you some time to enjoy your your roommates and your dorm mates and have some enjoyment, but also get your homework done and pick it and keep it and then wake up at a certain time and train your body, okay, this is work time, this is fun time.
7: But even when you're good at it, it's hard because you have to make choices. (laughs) You could go do something fun or you can stay home and do Spanish homework like you know you're supposed to. And on top of that the
5: motivation to do the things that you don't necessarily
7: want to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: right one of the main things they would tell me when I first started was to use my time wisely mm-hmm. like in college it's different from high school in high school you're you have to be in class from start to finish in college you're not in class all day so you have a lot of free time and so I would say one lesson that they taught me is you know outside of class be productive with your school work is staying on top of things. Don't procrastinate.
6: Yeah, I, I will never forget the first time I took a test in college, and there were questions on the test that we had not talked about in class. Right, they're,
2: they're in the, the assigned reading, probably.
6: And I went to the professor yeah. and said, "We never talked about this in class." Right, right. Professor right. said it was in the reading. Exactly. Yeah. I, we we didn't do that in high school. There was nothing yeah. on the test in high school right, that right. the teacher hadn't talked about. It was cheating that exactly. they could put questions on the test that you, was from the reading. You, you seem like you're wounded I'm over still this. a little still wounded because I, I did not do so well in that particular class. You know, here's
0: what I hear Alex exhorting parents to do and to equip their children with, and that is they need to have a game plan. They need to go to college on purpose mm-hmm. with the end of... In mind. Yes. Now they're eighteen, 18, 19 years old. They're not gonna, they're not gonna have a hundred percent vision at that point. But to simply enter into the discussion yeah. around yeah. these issues in advance, Alex, mm-hmm. isn't this a part of what parents must do with their kids? Because if they don't, right, then the system of college That's with right. all the free time, with all the worldviews that they're going to hear, right, they're going to be like I was—a lamb to the slaughter.
4: That's exactly right. College, like, is your choice. If you, you if you go out and have fun, knowing that you have something to, do, you're gonna have to live with the results. In high school, it was kind of like, no, you gonna do what you were mm-hmm. supposed to do, kind of thing.
5: I had to find my first job in college. Ah. Um, did not have any experience in retail or fast food, so I didn't have um, much on my resume, and. Um, I had to find a way to support myself in um, all of the extra things that I wanted to do if I wanted to go out to like eat Chick-fil-A. with my friends. Yeah, like Chick-fil-A. If I'm going to go leave, um, go eat at Chick-fil-A, you know. Not to my mom, because <laughs> I don't need to. Um, but I'm responsible for feeding myself extra, extra food that I'm not just getting from the cafeteria. Um, so I had to go through the struggle of finding
0: a good job. You don't just let them go to college. You actually release them toward college, or toward service, or toward their own homes, their own jobs, their own responsibility. Um, This is where you take the the psalm, Psalm 127.4, and you take the metaphor uh, of what, what the psalmist says Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Well, arrows were not designed to stay in the quiver. They were designed for battle. They were designed to be uh, drawn back by a warrior, an archer, and aimed at a target. You're not just letting them go. You're launching them towards something on mission, on assignment, that you've been equipping them for all the way through adolescence.
1: Passing on responsibility and time management, that's hard. But you also know that as a parent, you have to learn to let your kids go, and that sometimes they need to learn on their own. They need to learn responsibility the hard way, like Rob.
3: I had turned right on red in the middle of a snowstorm in college. It was 12 at night. The snow's coming down. Nobody's at the stop sign. The light wouldn't change, I'm telling you. I think it was broke. So I turned right The only lights behind me were flashing, and he pulled me over. Gave me a ticket. Fast forward, our team is traveling, the basketball team, and we're on a two-week tour of Montana and Colorado. I get back on a uh, Friday night. Late, the bus drops me off at my apartment. 6 AM in the morning, there's a knock at my door. It's a big, honking policeman. He puts me in cuffs. He cuffs me in my underwear, and then he says, uh, why don't you get dressed, and we're going to take you in. They uh, fingerprint me, take all my change, and uh, I'm behind bars. But we had a Saturday night home game, and I'm looking out the bars of the uh, jailhouse, and our school is across the street. And I'm seeing my coach come in and the players come in till my sister can come and bail me out when she gets off of work. My sister finally comes, and I tell her, before you come, go to my apartment. I need my uniform and my tennis shoes and everything. So she does and brings them to me, bails me out of jail. I change in my stuff and run across the street, and the game's already started. And I run down the... The court and sit next to the coach, and he goes, "Where have you been? I'm the starter." And I go, "Coach, uh, details later." And he's like, "Get your get your fanny in the game."
4: Did he say fanny?
3: Yeah, something like fanny. But moral of that story is, uh, pay your tickets on time. <laughs>
1: Sometimes learning responsibility means paying your tickets on time. Hey, it's break time and I need to stretch my legs and maybe grab some coffee because remembering those college days has me just a little bit tired. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about how to prepare your teen for life. Stay tuned. I'll be back in two minutes
6: couples who say they have marriage problems need to recognize it's not a marriage problem it's a god problem we make it all about us
0: you know where that's headed
6: and it's killing our marriages
0: what would happen if marriages got it together and divorce was rare because there's something bigger here. Who
1: are we here for?
0: There is something that your marriage represents that is far greater. We're here for a purpose. When you look at what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is about more than just you and me. Very few couples that say, Lord, what, what do you want? Instead, they think, this is what I want, and I'm not getting it. Therefore, this thing is broken. Family lives Weekend to Remember. Our Weekend to Remember begins with the purpose of marriage as God intended it because ultimately your marriage is not about you, it's about God. To find out more about a getaway near you, visit WeekendToRemember.com.
6: When the road is blocked, find another way around.
1: For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal
6: back to school time and some step parents find themselves being left out of school activities. Sometimes schools just don't know how to include you, but other times you're being blocked by the child's other home. So what do you do? Well, here's a tip from stepfamily author Heather Hetschler. She says if the road is blocked, go around. Don't fight the other home for access to the school. Work directly with the school. You might have to provide court papers in order to get access to the kids and their academic information, but it's worth it to be added to school records, email lists, and web portals. Get connected so you can support your child. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal.
1: To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. So, you have spent the last how many years preparing your children for life? But have you prepared them for college and beyond? Yes, I know you've given them the phone and you've put your number on speed dial, but have you prepared them, you know, in what they believe and why? Can they defend their faith? Once again, let's get some advice from Alex Chediak, and he's having an honest dialogue about how your students can live out their faith in today's world. Here's Alex. One
2: of the things we hear as Christians in our culture is that we're supposed to be tolerant. And what tolerant is supposedly means, according to our world, is that what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me, even though they're totally contradictory that there is no such thing as absolute truth or objective truth that would somehow have bearing on your life and mine. But if you think about what the word tolerance has historically meant, what it's meant is being tolerant or gracious or accepting of somebody who is different than you. So let's suppose I have a friend who is a, a Muslim. Being tolerant would be saying, okay, I think your faith is incorrect. I think Jesus Christ is the way of God, but I'm still going to love you, respect you, be kind towards you, be able to work on my homework, my, my math homework with you, but I still think you're wrong, and you, of course, think that I'm wrong. This is true tolerance. is holding a belief and yet not killing other people over it. Mm-hmm. But what our world says is tolerant is, no, you're not even allowed to think I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, that's just true for you. And, and it's, what's true for me is true for me. That's not tolerance at all.
0: Mm-hmm. You went to the university of California at Berkeley. I did. You were a Christian. Yes. How did you survive
2: that? Well, you know, I think it's just about going there and having the standpoint of, I am here to grow in my profession, but also to grow in my faith. And I'm going to identify myself with God's people. So I think finding a good church, identifying yourself as a Christian from, from, from day one, saying, I'm here, I'm a Christian, I'm going to find a church to plug into, I'm going to find other Christians on campus that I can connect with and commiserate with and go through life together with and just share our common experience with. I mean, one of the things I think teens hunger for from their parents is honest dialogue about the faith and to have their parents share with them, look, these are the struggles of young adult life. And to be very real and frank with them, they're more eager, eager to talk to mom and dad than sometimes the mom and dad are they're more hungry for their parents' involvement in those areas of of their life than sometimes the parents are uncomfortable or feeling bashful about bringing up sensitive topics. So I think just honest dialogue about, hey, these are the things that happen at college. Perhaps if, if a parent struggled in that area and they sinned in those ways in college, just be honest, hey, I blew it in this way and this way in college, and this is how God's led me out of that, and this is what I paid for that, that these are the consequences that I reaped this will not go well for you if you go that way. Um, for me, one of the things I did that I thought was really helpful when I went to Alfred was I had some Christian friends that I already knew were there. Mm-hmm. It was a small school, only about 2,500, so the number of Christians you know, wasn't going to be in the thousands like what you were talking about, Dennis, earlier. But it was you know, 40, 50, so I knew 5 or 10 of them before I went. So at least I had, okay, these are people that I can start, kind of get together with and hang out with and, and develop friendships through them. And not feel like I have to be a part of the, of the party scene. I think what you're talking about earlier, Bob, is sometimes a freshman feels, hey, if I'm going to ever get to know anybody, I better go to the, to the pub. That's right. the only place that's going to, that's the only social outlet I possibly have. Well, that's not the only opportunity. You just have to become aware of what the other outlets are.
1: So, Laura, what was some of the best advice that your parents gave you as you were heading off to college or even during college? They trained me to
7: prioritize making good friendships in college. And so I did. I really pursued getting to know my friends one-on-one as well as in group situations. And I'm really thankful for that because I mean, I'm only two years out of school, but still my best friends are from college. And I know that that won't change. Um, We can go a year without seeing each other or two for some, and I'm still, I could pick up the phone and have a conversation with them and feel like we just saw each other yesterday. Um, so I'm really thankful for that advice.
5: Something that I wish would have been conveyed more strongly mm-hmm. um, is the choice of friends in, in that it matters what kind of friends you choose to make and choose to invest yourself in because it really impacts your character and um,
1: impacts the way that you live your life. As you envision that kind of conversation now, how would you envision your mom or dad having it with your 17-year-old self?
5: I would imagine them making sure that I knew that I needed to get plugged into a church and um, probably plugged into a small group at Belmont as well, because um, while church is a fantastic community, it's not always the people that go to your university um and you want to make sure that you have christian friends at your university that can support you morally
6: would you say your spiritual foundation was really solid and locked in before you got to berkeley
2: you know i think it was i was a graduate student as well so it's a little bit older so it's, it's not exactly a one-for-one one correspondence i went to an undergraduate school also a secular school called alfred university and there i was it was a non-christian school i was less grounded in my faith at that time but i was grounded enough to know you know what i better find the church pretty quickly and i better find other christians on campus pretty quickly if you don't do those two things within the first couple of months the data is not very promising.
6: Well, and I have to tell you, when when I've been on college visits with my sons and my daughters over the years, right. uh-huh. we right. walk through the dorms. One of the things I'm looking for on the dorm bulletin boards uh-huh. as we get the tour of the dorms are the posters about Bible study going on here or about campus ministry meeting here or what's going on. If I don't see that stuff, and I remember being at one very prestigious university and walking through the dorms and seeing nothing that indicated anything spiritual. And I asked our tour guide, I said, are there any campus ministries on this campus? And she said, I think there's one InterVarsity something and so I I checked online I called the head of InterVarsity and I said tell me about what's going on she said well there are four of us who meet right now and we're trying to figure out how to get it bigger but I'm I'm thinking this is a great college this would be a great place to get a degree from right But I don't know how my son or daughter would survive right. spiritually in that kind of an environment. I think you, even before
2: you choose a college, having a game plan of saying, I'm going to go to this school, and when I get there, I'm going to consider these churches and these these Christian organizations. Now with the internet, there's no reason why that can't be done in advance. So like Bob was talking about, when you're looking at a college, you can even know then, hey, this school has these opportunities to grow in my faith and if the school has nothing then you're right why do I get a world class education and and, and and let your spiritual life shrivel up over four years that's not worth it
1: That's Professor Alex Chediak reminding us once again that we need good, solid friends in our lives. We all need good friends, but especially our students. They need friends to encourage them, to walk through finals with them, to cry with them, but especially to journey with them in their walk with Christ. Mom and Dad, you've done that work that God has asked you to do if you dedicated or baptized your child, you probably remember pledging to bring up your child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You've guided them and protected them and directed them. Yes, they'll still need you to guide and guard and direct. It will just look differently. And whether they voice appreciation or not, it's worth it.
5: When I need to cry, or when I have issues, or if I just need to talk to someone about something that's going on in my life. Like, I can call my mom and 90% of the time she picks up within the first three rings.
7: Yeah, I think I'd say, yeah, thank you for everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I've always known, like, my parents are there for me, like, over their ministry. Like, I knew um,
4: that I was, like,
7: their number one priority.
4: With my parents being, with me still staying with my parents, I can use them as, like, they can help me out with a lot of stuff that y'all probably won't be able to get help out of. But my parents also challenge me, which makes me better. Mm. So I I appreciate, I I like having a challenge. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate them kind of laying off and letting me figure it out Mm -hmm. on certain things. But also being there to help me with things I can't figure out. I
7: just so appreciate that they are always willing to pray for me and never stopped telling me that they loved me, and that they were very invested in what I was doing and not just what grades I was earning. They really wanted to get to know my friends and were curious about all of my experiences and were interested and um, were proud of me and reminded me of that.
1: Next week, we are going to dive into the waters of prayer and liturgy and learn the aspect of slowing down to hear from God. Songwriter and author Douglas McKelvey joins me, so I hope you can join us for that. It'll be a great time. Thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our engineer today, Bruce Goff. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.